Hey y'all, Alex Barinka here, head of external affairs at Shop and host of Finding Inspo, the first shoppable podcast where we'll bring you the stories of some of the biggest names in style and design, digging deep into how they turned inspiration into successful businesses. And each week, my guests and I curate the Finding Inspo shop at bearshop.com slash inspo with the products that emerge from their personal stories. Now, a heads up, today we'll be talking about sex and sexual wellness. That's because my guest is Ava Goykocheha, co-founder of Maud, a sexual wellness company created to build products that make sex better. Now, to be straight with y'all, I was really overthinking this conversation before it started. In all my years as a reporter, I've never delved into this subject matter. In the end, I've never been more comfortable talking about sex with a stranger. And that's because of her perspective toward the sexual wellness industry. Ava was one of the first employees at retailer Everlane before she eventually co-founded Maud, a brand that aims to simplify and elevate people's experience with an industry that hasn't really changed for decades. In one 48-hour span, Maud sold more than a thousand vibrators after being dubbed the best-in-show personal massager by New York Magazine's The Strategist. My guess is that's because Maud's mission and message is resonating. When you jumped into this, what what were you trying to accomplish and how did you think about breaking down some of the preconceived notions in this industry? Why I started Maud was that I as a consumer on that side of things, I felt like this was the last frontier of personal care that's been paid attention to. And it didn't make any sense to me that it was because it's the most personal thing that you do and and the most intimate thing. And I didn't understand why this industry was so dominated by the same, you know, old legacy players. And then I also started it because I had an interest, uh, in, in healthcare, I was legislative aide in healthcare, and then I, I went and worked at startups, including Everlane. And so for me, it was like, could we apply what I had done for so many years to this space? And that was it. It was like looking at this as a consumer and saying, this is, this is so odd that I cannot find a brand that I align with. And when I started asking around, it was just this universal answer, which is, yeah, I don't, I don't feel like any sexual wellness brand speaks to me either. If you look back at the condom industry, if you look at condoms in movies like 20 years ago, they're the same. They're exactly the same. Why why do you think it's been kind of the status quo that everything has been so unchanged for so long when it comes to sexual wellness? So there's actually a very, there's a very simple answer. There was a, essentially a prohibition for all things considered perverse or sexual. Um, It was called the Comstock Laws. And what that essentially did was make these things, um, you know, they were hidden in in back rooms. When the FDA got brought into the equation, which was essentially to ensure that there was product quality, that's when companies like Trojan were able to go in and lobby for theirs to be considered the safest. And then they got into this partnership with pharmacists who said Trojan is the best thing for you. And that's how we are in the same spot that we're in now because they, they own the market so, so, so early. And so did your, when did you kind of start digging into this? Was it when you were working in health legislation? When did you really start digging into kind of the, the background of the industry? Um, it was, yeah, it was before, before I started, I wanted to answer that question. Why does it look the way it does? Why are there only a few brands in the space? And it's just, I mean, it, this was the history of how it evolved. And it didn't leave a lot of room for anyone else. And obviously, we're talking about a time they started owning the shelf so early, literally 100 years ago. So 
there was there was just not a lot of room for many brands. Although there was a time before this happened, like pre 1930s, where there were many brands. And then what happened? And then that's when the FDA came in. And Got that's it. When Trojan came in. But what's interesting is so they essentially own the market through distribution. Mm-hmm. Uh, and somebody would have had to come along and, and before the internet would have had to somehow fight their way into that distribution model. So essentially, like we are in the best time for this to change because now we can go directly to the consumer. And I'm not even saying that just to use the term direct to consumer. (laughs) (laughs) To completely play off of that then, you were at Everlane. Um, They were one of the very first in kind of the fashion industry, or or at least the conscious fashion industry, to make a huge name for themselves in the direct to consumer space. Are there things that you picked up at Everlane that, that you were able to kind of translate in terms of how to reach customers and how to really connect with them with a brand story that, that makes sense? Absolutely. For me, it was finding this thing that you, you sort of think it's just like a t-shirt, right? They started with a t-shirt. How can you make a t-shirt universal? Obviously a t-shirt is very universal, but how can you get people to rally behind it? It's not going to be the fabric. It's not even going to be the fit because those aren't actually things that people love universally. It's the values behind the company. And that's what drove their vision is the value and the mission behind the company. And I thought, well, what are we all connected by? I can't make a product for every single person in sex that is necessarily useful to them or they, you know, that they think is the best thing ever. But what I can do is get consumers to rally behind a mission. And what I found in, you know, doing the research was that we all actually had the same pain points. Mm -hmm. And so we, we wanted the same things. And that, that was the common denominator, not necessarily just the product. So before we do dig into the mission, I, I want to take us back then. So you you worked in healthcare legislation, then you were at Everlane. At what point did you decide to leave Everlane, pull the trigger, and figure out if this was a, a business that you could actually pull off? So I, I left Everlane in 2013. I'd been there a year and a half. Um, and a lot happened between when I was legislative aid and this. I worked it at, for other companies. But they were basically closing their L.A. office. And I couldn't really logistically move to San Francisco. I had bought a house. I was married. I'm still married. And I, I thought, I'm going to go work for another company. And I could not find a company I was interested in that was really th- that really ticked all the boxes for me. Um, and I started taking on clients. And then when the idea of Maud, you know, popped up in conversation, amongst friends, I thought this is actually the idea I've been waiting for. I'm just going to go start working on this company because it doesn't exist. It was a very serendipitous thing. It was an organic thing, um, but it, it actually pulled in all of my experience and interests. And so it felt like a, a natural fit. And when you say you couldn't find a company that, that checks on the boxes, are there certain boxes that you wanted to be sure that your company checked as you got it off the ground? Yeah, I absolutely wanted to work for a company that affected health and people that could be a, you know, sort of a leader in shifting, you know, creating like sea change in an industry. And I, I didn't want to sell snake oil. I didn't want to be just like at a wellness company that was just well-branded, but like was following trend. I just couldn't find those things. So that's, I was, I, I felt like Everlane probably spoiled me in terms of how <laughs> true to their mission they are. And that's like where I, why I couldn't find the company that I was excited by. Are there, what, what's kind of the, the heartbeat then of, of Maud? What are the, the kind of guiding tenets that you laid out then that you've still followed through with today? 
So there are three, um, quality, simplicity, and inclusivity. We don't have like one core mission, just one of those. It's all three of those things. And that, you know, that speaks to product content, how we think of our customer um, and how we execute. And, and that's really like what we live by. So um, inclusivity of people, age, gender, et cetera, and also creating language that's inclusive. I love the inclusivity that you all have, but also I could have seen you take a very female or male focused approach. Why go at this uh, with this kind of arms wide open approach and, and not maybe drill down to a market that might be a little bit more narrow and perhaps easier to, to market to? Well, so uh, this is funny, but I use this example often, like food is not gendered. Mm -hmm. Se sex is actually not gendered when you think about it. Like people have sex and gender is not necessarily related to sex. It can be, but it's not. And so our thought was no one's just, no one's creating products for sex without applying these principles of gender. Um, and it wasn't just for the purpose of being forward thinking. It was also for the purpose of creating like great product that served the audience well, instead of just, because to narrow down would be to sort of say like this one type of person likes this one type of thing and like we can be the best at that one thing. and I'm, Which is I'm where like, the industry is now. Yeah. I mean, I think it's because it doesn't allow for any, it doesn't allow for any nuance and sex is very nuanced in terms of like how people feel about it. So you can't really land that one thing. And, you know, when you do look out at the market and, and you do look around, everything is so gendered. If you look at, at, at sex toys that are targeted toward women, you know, they are, they look like penises. They're very phallic. They're very uh, upfront about, um, perhaps it's this idea that like sex sells. It's very in your face. It's, it, it, it imprints an idea of what they think it sh the experience should be for you. Whereas I feel like what you all do in the simplicity that you're talking about is, is you're creating tools to enable people to take this idea of wellness for their own routines, for their own intimate moments, and create their own experience out of it without impressing upon them an idea that you think that they should be after. One of the things that we have as our guiding principles for our voice is to be non-prescriptive. And even though we have modern content and that speaks to a certain, you know, sometimes it speaks to camping sex. It's like, <laughs> we're not, we're not actually trying to be prescriptive of what your sex life should look like based upon your gender. And I, I think that just, that makes a lot of sense to me because I'm like, I don't know, we all go through phases in terms of when we're young, we might like pink. And when we're older, we might like blue. And when we're, you know, it just, it's just like, it's not an evergreen thing to sort of apply this one look and feel. And this is a weird thing because it, it feels simultaneously like complex and simple in terms of how we execute things. Well, sex is such a human thing and we're all so complex and simple, right? And you throw yeah. another partner or multiple partners in the mix and, and there's even more nuance there. So when you do think about, you know, some of the squeamishness that is around talking about these topics, how have you broached that topic? Because look, not everyone is comfortable talking about it, even if they are very comfortable uh, behind closed doors. So I think that for us, it was just really about being matter of fact and talking about it as if we were talking about other parts of personal care. And I, I think over, I don't know, if you come to our office, it's like, we're not even talking about sex. We're, we're just talking about wellness and health and personal care, um, which I actually think is how it should be talked about because you can have a conversation with somebody that's matter of fact about sex. It doesn't mean that you have to go into your sex life or your feelings per se. You can talk about it in a matter of fact way. So we didn't want to totally take the sexiness out of it in terms of like the aesthetic. 
of the company, but we did want to take it out of it and the product and the voice. And when I look at, I mean, your assortment is so elevated and it is so clean and it hits on kind of the, the modern aesthetic of what I think of in terms of wellness products. And, and it seems like that was very, very thoughtful of you all to design in such a way. Yeah. I mean, it was like creating products that you would want in your bathroom for a long time. Um, and not, while it has, I think there's obviously things about our company that are very direct to consumer, like modern brand, these modern brand, like indicators that the intent was to exist in this world now, but like also potentially create products that could last for a long time. So we, we try to think about both. So I, I am curious though, when I look at the landscape of where a lot of DTC companies are typically marketing, where their paid advertising channels are, I would think that maybe just because of the subject matter, whether it's right or not, y'all might run into some problems in terms of paid ads on social, paid ads on, on display ads. Have you hit any of that as you've tried to get the word out about what Vaughn is up to? Yes. We absolutely have. And it's, it's because of the vibe, which is funny. We don't even call it a toy. We think of it as this tool. And I've said it over and over again, like it's absolutely to solve a need. Um, we, we don't think of it as like a, a phallic add-on, right? But it has caused so much trouble. This little like salt shaker looking product has caused so much trouble. Um, I do understand, however, like these blanketed rules. Yep. So... We don't tend to be outspoken about them because it is what it is. So then have you had to get creative in terms of reaching customers? Because again, that's a, that's a lever that I feel like a lot of DTC companies pull in terms of where they, they do their advertising spend these days. Yeah. I mean, when we, really, when we first launched and even now we, we do advertise on, on Facebook and Instagram, but we have to advertise the lubricant for health purposes and then um, the condoms because they are, it falls under a class you know, to medical device that is protection. So it's all of these funny ways that you have to talk about the product. So that's how we found we can get directly to the, to the customer those ways. But where our, the bulk of our audience comes from is through direct uh, search, like organic and mm-hmm. then word of mouth and press. And so th- that's great because those acquisition channels are cheaper. <laughs> Let's take a quick break from my chat with Mod co-founder Ava Goykochea. I wanted to remind you that like every Finding Inspo episode, this one is also shoppable. Ava and I have curated items from our conversation and a few others that are inspiring us lately for the special Finding Inspo store on Bear Shop. Next to each product, we'll also tell you why we're loving it. You can shop at bearshop.com slash inspo. And just for Finding Inspo listeners, new Bear Shop customers can take 20% off their first purchase with the code INSPOEG. Next, we'll get to the part I know you're waiting for. We're about to get real specific about all of Mod's products, how they came about, how much thought went into them, and why you may want to give these a shot. So you, you have this idea for the company. You've established kind of your mission. You've established your ethos and, and the problem you're trying to solve. Which product did you start with? What was your first, uh, first of your line that you wanted to tackle? We actually launched with four products. We launched with two lubricants, the Vive and condoms. And the idea was to basically um, democratize access to these products. So solving for the issue of having to go to multiple places to buy them, um, also giving them different values, which I, we thought wasn't really fair. Like you should be able to buy, if you need a vibrator, you should be able to buy one alongside these other products that are considered basics. So we launched with those four things, which seems a little crazy, but it was helpful. And then 
we launched a massage candle in November. Um, and now we're launching five more SKUs in September and October. Let's start with the condoms. Your packaging, I, I've gotten my hands on the samples um, that we have here at Vera Shop. The packaging is really unique. It's not like, again, what you typically see in the, you know, teenage boy whips an aluminum foil condom package out of his wallet. It, how did you come to the packaging that you have for the condoms? We knew that we wanted them to be like easier to open. And if we, if we couldn't innovate the condom itself, which we couldn't, it would have taken a really long time and the FDA is, is trouble. We wanted to be able to create packaging that was really easy to use. So we looked at packaging that was available that was sort of like the best case scenario for, for that ease of use. And that was the buttercup. It was like finding what could solve for most people's needs. And so uh, the two lubes, um, why, why should somebody grab a mod lube instead of, you know, heading over to their uh, local uh, drugstore or other purveyor that sells a lube? Why, why is yours, why should yours be at the top of their list? I mean, aside from like the obvious packaging, which, <laughs> which is like the, you know, you go to the drugstore and you're like, the lube is so loud. We really worked with our chemists to formulate something that we thought was was like an exceptional product. So the organic lubricant is meant to um, help with natural moisture. We recommend it for vaginal sex or, um, or if you're, you know, if you perhaps just want an organic product, it's aloe based, it's really great. And then we want it as an inclusive company to create another product that you could use for other types of sex. So we came up with a silicone lubricant and worked at the factory on that. And it's much longer lasting, it's much more slippery. They have very different textures. Um, and wanted to just basically give our customers the best of that category of lubricant. And the, the water and aloe base one that is 100% organic, uh, why go that route? Why, why choose to do that and, and go after sourcing those, those kinds of ingredients? I mean, I think it's because it's like, people really obviously do care about what they're putting in their body. I think there's a, there's a way to create an exceptional product. You know, you can't, you can't necessarily, we couldn't necessarily find a uh, silicone alternative that we were happy with, but, but I think silicone in terms of its safety and efficacy is, is, is really strong. So it was like, let's give, if we're going to do an aloe or water-based lubricant, let's make it with organic ingredients and let's make it the best that we can. And then, you know, vice versa, do the same for silicone. And now on to your advertising troublemaker, the vibe. Uh, tell me how you came came to that. It is so soft and it's so nice and it is so aesthetically pleasing. How did you come come down to that design? Talk to me about the thoughtfulness that went into that and, and especially choosing the materials um, that, that created the vibe. The starting point was, what is a product that has been on the market that's worked for a long time but hasn't been changed? So we looked at products that were that size and analyze like what was the most effective. So we started with the size. I found the shape out in the world. I actually gave, my husband's a mechanical engineer and I was basically like, I need you to design this for me. Will it make sense? Does it actually work with the, the motor? Amazing. And, yeah, so th that on the technical side, he was able to do that. And then um, we wanted a soft touch silicone. We wanted it to be non-porous. One of the issues that you'll find in the sex toy space is there are, Obviously, there are plenty of choices on the market, and many of them are made with porous plastics and, mm. and you know, things that we don't think are body safe. And so we wanted to create a body safe product that was also water resistant. So I kind of took all of the things that we wanted out of this one thing, and then we created this hero product. And I don't know that we'll ever go into any other devices, but um, it's, a, it's definitely our bestseller. Uh, it's won numerous awards. It's like, it's a happy little vibe. <laughs> I, 
I do think it's really empowering to uh, go out and buy a vibrator, buy your first vibrator, find one that you really love. Again, I do have friends and I've had these, these, you know, conversations over wine where my friends are squeamish and they don't understand and their minds get changed pretty quickly. But how would you talk to somebody who has never used a vibrator before in terms of, of kind of the, the personal empowerment that it can give them in terms of the wellness aspect when it comes to using something like the vibe? Well, I think the question is the pro the first question is really, do they feel like they know their body and they're happy with their own sex lives or their own solo sex lives? Is, is there really something that they feel like is missing or they need it? So I think that's the first one because you don't want to, I don't think that we're in the business of saying that everybody needs one. That's not the case. We're all very different, but you know, statistically speaking, about 70% of women need external stimulation. And so if that's the case, and maybe their finger isn't working or something else isn't working, it's like great to have a tool. So I think it's a starting point around like, what do you need and what is missing or what isn't missing in your life? And like, do, do you maybe want to try this product and see if it works for you? And then, and then I think it allows for people to then decide if they want other toys. And it's like, the first thing in, in terms of just like happiness and healthiness around sex is knowing your own body. And that lends itself to conversations around consent and communicating with your partner or partners. It's kind of this fundamental thing that I think we, we need to talk about. And it really starts with your own, you know, your own needs. And that conversation has been a really important one. And it's been one that has gotten louder with the Me Too movement. Where do you hope that these kind of conversations are happening. How, how would you want kind of the public ethos to continue to evolve when it comes to talking about your own needs, your own sexual wellness and um, sexual wellness kind of out in the public sphere? Well, so this is a really, that's a really good question because one thing that we don't do and you can probably see it is that we're not often political. And the reason that we're not political is because we think that sex has always been guided by and disrupted by um, politics that we want to create a space where again like we're democratizing access to education and products around sex that really don't know you know era or sort of like politics because i think there's so much that needs to be done in terms of education and the basics that we want to be that company that can be a partner for organizations that are doing those things so that's like we're not at the forefront of conversations around policy as it relates to to maybe just sort of what sex should look like for everybody. We're, we want to be at the forefront of conversations and be a partner for what does access to these products and what does education um, and ex access to education look like, if that makes any sense. We think of them as like two different things. It, it does. And, and so, you know, personally, my, my mom was great about this because she was a Polish immigrant. Her mom was very young when she had her there was no sex education. She kind of missed that time because she was immigrating to the U.S. and nobody even told her what her period was. So she woke up one day and was bleeding and literally thought she was dying. So with, with us, you know, she started the education with us really early at home and it was a really free open space and we were able to ask questions because she remembered what it was like when she was, you know, 14 and she thought her life was over because nobody had ever told her what her body, how her body would develop and what would happen. So I, I totally get, um, and it was always a matter of fact conversation, you know, but again, uh, in, in the public today, even myself, it's like I said, kind of going into this, I do get a little squeamish and I think about, you know, what's the perception going to be and, and how do you talk about it? And so it's, it's really 
refreshing and empowering to hear uh, the success you've had. Well, yeah, and I mean, it's it's a human thing, which is what you said earlier, and we say that often too. Like, it's a human thing. It it knows no, it sort of knows no borders in terms of just being, you know, a human. Obviously, it's regulated. Unfortunately, it's regulated and shouldn't be. But I don't think that we, as a company, necessarily want to be saying, hey, it's regulated and we should be we should be the brand that you should come to because that's essentially what these early companies did. There's a, there's a responsibility on our, on our side to just like partner with and help companies fighting the good fight in lots of places. And it seems like you all want to be uh, an innovator in the industry and not perpetuating the status quo. Like those who, who kind of had the FDA's um, hat tip of approval in the early 20th century had up until basically now. Yeah. And like, why should I, why should we be pushing our corporate agenda on people's lives? Like we, that's not our job that our, our job is to make great products and to do it in a way that allows for the customer to make the decision for themselves. That's what we believe. So you did say you, as you go forward, then um, you do have new products coming out. Are you able to talk about those and give us a little bit of insight in terms of what you have coming? We are launching into products that are basically an extension of your sex life. Um, so around the bath and body space. And we keep calling it internally, although some of my team rolls their eyes at me when I say this, but um, I keep calling it chair care <laughs> because I'm like, it's, it's, there are products that you can share or you can use alone. And I think the candle was a good indicator for us of like what our customer wants to see. And then we've surveyed them and kind of built this with them. Uh, I do want to talk about the candle. Not only does it smell divine, give us a little bit of color in terms of, of how you can use that. Yeah, so you can use it just as like a scented candle in your house, or you can, it's um, primarily oil-based, so it's jojoba and, and soybean oil-based, so if you burn it, it has a low melting temperature, and you can use it for massage. And I think people get a kick out of the fact that they can just pour this. I have had plenty of people tell me that they've poured the candle on themselves in front of someone almost to like freak them out. <laughs> <laughs> so also maybe a fun party trick too. So, you know, looking back on on where we are now from kind of where where you started, did you ever expect that you would be, you know, a founder of a sexual wellness company if, if, if we rewind the clock 20 years? Um, I don't know that I would have said sexual wellness, but I definitely knew that I always had the gumption and the fearlessness to do something. And I and I but I also knew that I was always a kid that was pretty modest. Like, I don't even, I think I've maybe worn a two-piece in public like three times, and it's not because I have any weird feelings about my body. It's just because <laughs> I, I generally just, like, like a, a one-piece. But I think the point was that I always knew that I could be in a space that made, that that allowed to, like, broaden um, an audience and hopefully bring more people to the table. So I've always felt like that was my job, is to, like, fight and elbow my way in to give more people room at the table. And I do want to say one quick note about that. So when I was in high school, my mom said you can invite for your 16th birthday, you can invite like 50 people. And I invited the entire class and I, my, she was horrified, but I, it's because I absolutely believed in inclusivity and in allowing everybody access. And so it makes total sense to me that here we are. You did have to fight and elbow, elbow your way in and, and celebrating the successes is really great, but I know it must've been a challenge and probably is still a challenge to uh, justify to some people why a company like yours matters and why the problems that you are trying to solve matter. For the people that, as you said, you are trying to bring up to the table in this space or in tangential spaces or who are like-minded, 
can you talk through kind of some of the challenges you've had and the ways that you've gritted through them? Because it's always so good to hear that other folks have kind of had to elbow their way through and, and came out in the light on the other side. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's funny because on the side of the consumer or when you're just having conversation, we all can recognize that there needs to be a change on the sexual wellness slash family planning. Um, what an outdated term, but like family planning <laughs> aisle. So there's this very literal place that needs to change. And that in and of itself is actually a very universal conversation. <clears throat> Unfortunately, there are not a lot of companies that are taking a more long view, like mass market approach to it. And so what I was facing was just the challenge of the simple subject of sex. It scares a lot of LPs when you're raising money. It scares people when you're talking about it. And I always knew that once we were out in the world, it would, there would, there would be some way to like have a conversation with something to talk about that wasn't so scary. And so it was easier to raise money the second time because people were like, oh, I've seen mod. Mod's not scary. So yes, it was hard in the beginning because everyone is like, oh God, this taboo topic. And then I was like, no guys, I'm just going to like just change the aisle. That, that has been the biggest challenge is like de defining the fact that sex is actually a big universal giant industry um, and it needs change. Where we think we've created the biggest amount of success is the fact that our audience is like, there's a, it's a 20-year it's a span with our primary audience and 65% of them aren't on the coasts. And a lot of them are parents, grandparents, college kids. I mean, it really runs the gamut. And like that to me is success is when you find something that everyone can sort of say like, this makes sense. Seriously, you need to see how sleek and modern Mods products are. If you're curious, you can see them all at veroshop.com inspo, along with a few others that are a great complement to the Mod line. And you can give them all a try with no stress when you buy through Veroshop since you'll always get free two-day shipping and free returns. And new Veroshop customers can take 20% off their first purchase with the code INSPOEG. The Finding Inspo podcast will be going on a two-week summer break and we'll be back on September 10th. In the meantime, I freely appreciate if you'd rate and review the podcast. It helps new listeners find us. And you can also follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Inspo Podcast or follow me at Alex Barinka. This podcast was produced by me with production and editing support from Wonder Media Network. Thanks so much for listening. See you soon.